Hey everyone, it's Pastor Micah, lead pastor here at High Praise Crestview. I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to today's podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from today and go connect with us on social media as well. My prayer is that as you listen to this message, you're encouraged, blessed, and transformed by the power of the Word of God. Now open your heart and get ready to receive what God wants to speak to you today. Just, there's so many awesome things that God's doing in our church right now, and I'm just so thankful to be uh, leading and, and part of what God is doing here. I'm so thankful that God called Pastor Chelsea and I to the Crestview area to help minister to the city in this region, in this area. Pastor Chelsea and I, for those of you who don't know, we're originally from Panama City, and we launched I Praise Crestview two and a half years ago uh, now uh, with a, just a handful of people, and God has really grown and, and this church, and he's moving, and he's doing incredible things, and we believe, and, and I want you to understand this, uh, for maybe someone who's new and this is the first time you've ever seen our faces, I want you to understand and I mean this with all sincerity. Apostle Robert was here last week. As a matter of fact, my dad, uh, he was here. It was incredible Building Families weekend last week. Amen. <laughs> building Families was just an incredible uh, time of ministry. Uh, but we were not disgruntled associate pastors that decided we were mad and move and go start our own thing, okay? We didn't do that. Uh, we, we were submitted, and the Lord sent us. He literally said, get up and go, okay, like at this time. And we knew, and we all knew that it was time that God opened up divine doors of opportunity for us to be here. So that's why I say with purity of heart right now that I'm grateful that God literally uprooted us and planted us here to continue what God wants to do and expand what God wants to do through high praise and what God wants to do in this region through this church body. And I look around this room right now, and I'm thankful that, you know, I'm thankful that our church is a representation of heaven. I'm thankful that we have a church that's full of generations. I'm thankful that we have a church that's full of different races. I'm thankful that we have a church that's full of different economic backgrounds and upbringings. I'm thankful that, we, that we're, we have a church that is a mixed bag of biscuits, for lack of better words. I'm thankful that we have a church that truly is a reflection of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. A church that's not reflecting heaven or its community is not much of a church. It's a social gathering. You're doing a great job gathering to, to be social, but you're not really reflecting heaven. And our goal at High Praise is to reflect heaven. The Bible says, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Where? On earth. On earth as it is in heaven. Our goal as ministers, as churches, should be thy kingdom come, thy will be done in our church as it is in heaven, because guess what? We, I'm going to preach a whole message right now. We can't go and change the culture of community outside the church if the culture of community inside the church is toxic and wrong in the first place. And I stand here as a leader in this community, not just a leader in this church. There are 60 incredible churches in, in Crestview. And I stand as a leader in one of those churches. Pastor Chelsea and I... Some of y'all, here comes the feathers getting ruffled. Some of y'all know what I'm about to say. Pastor Chelsea and I pastor together. We are pastors, plural. And, I don't know where I was going with this now. Oh, yes. So I stand at, and, and speak even on her behalf right now, and she agrees with this. 
that we stand as leaders in this community and say that the religion and religiosity that's created and, and, and separated cultures in churches, Lord, let it be broken over this region and let churches arise in power and might and reflect the kingdom of heaven and see revival take place. Revival is not revival because you got... Mm, I'm about to... I better stop. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Revival is not revival because you got 200 white people in a building who are going to, woo, that's not revival. Revival is whenever there's black, white, all of the races represented, showing forth, laying hands on the sick, seeing them recover, flowing in signs and wonders, and doing the work of the kingdom, not just coming in, sit on your blessed assurance, yes, amen, pastor, amen, pastor, amen, pastor, and then go outside the church and not do anything. Revival takes what happens in here and spreads it out there. That's revival, and that's what we come to see here in this city, in this community. That's what we have been planted here to see. That's why God put us here. That's why God planted us in Crestview, because he wants to see that take place here in this city. And listen, I know I picked on white people, but that's just because I'm white, so I can. (laughs) That goes for any race, though. It doesn't need to be just a church of ladies leading the church. It doesn't need to be just a a group of men leading the church. All races helping leading the church together, right? Amen. Let's let's move on. I'm going to preach this morning on that and probably offend some people, but bless God. This is why we're here. And I do it with with love and a smile on my face, though. Because I want you to know that this, that's the truth of God's word. That's his desire. That's his heart. And if you think that it's not his heart and his desire, you need to go back and re- reread the Bible once again. Amen? Now, with all that said, let me offend you some more this morning with a smile on my face. Um, <laughs> glory to God. Um, this morning, I want to start a new series. Y'all ready for this this morning? Did y'all come ready to receive something today? I sure to hope you did. I hope you came ready to receive something from the Holy Spirit today. Um, I want to start a series. Y'all know we are in the love month, right? And today is, today is Team Color Sunday. I see a lot of people wearing their team colors. Some people, you know, because their team isn't good, they decided not to and they hit it. Um, listen, even when your team's bad, rep it proud, okay? Just, you know, even when you can't do nothing. That's right, Green Bay. <laughs> Especially Aaron Rodgers, right? <laughs> Even when your team's bad, you represent them. Whew. But I want to I kind of hit on this a little bit this morning if I can, which I can because I have the microphone. And uh, I want to jump into a new series. Um, there is an, you know, there, there's a song that is out right now. Uh, many of you may have heard this song a few times on the radio. Maybe if you have TikTok, you've probably heard the song a lot of times. And the other day it popped up um, and... And, you know, I was just, I heard it, and I heard the line, and I've seen the TikToks, if you've seen it, and I'll t- tell you what the song is in just a minute, that I'm going to be kind of playing off of uh, this morning. But I want to start a series called this, It's Me, Hi, what's that, what's after that? I'm the problem, Is yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Me, Hi, I want us to work on the I in relationships this week, this month, okay? That's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. We're going to work on ourselves, 
Y'all want to work on yourself some? Probably not. <laughs> well, you know, if, if I asked, you know, this morning, I said, how many of you just love being told, Pastor Robert talked about this last week, how many just love being told you got to change? Like, you know, we're just like, oh, bless God. I was told I got to change. I'm so happy. No, most of us, when we hear that you need to change, a little bit frustrating, a little bit of irritation that begins to set in a little bit. But to th- this month, I really want to work on working on the I in relationships. We need to work on ourselves um, some. Now, so we're only going to talk about this for three weeks, but before you get caught up, maybe you're not in a relationship. Maybe you're not married. Maybe you're, you're, this is not just for romantic relationships, okay? The series is not just for that. Don't get caught up on that. This, we're going to speak to all relationships in this series because ultimately all relationships are affected by yourself. It, for lack of better words, it takes two to make a thing go right. It takes two to make it happen, right? Like, it, it takes two to tango. So you, gotta, you have to be part of that party, whether it's a friend group, whether it's a work relationship, whether it's a marriage relationship, whether you've listed on Facebook that it's complicated, whatever it is, like, you have to work on yourself. Ultimately, that's the thing. You have to check yourself before you wreck yourself, okay? And so we're going to talk about this for the next few weeks. So I want you to look at somebody with the most sincere look on your face and tell them, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> it's not you, it's me. How many of you ever had that said to you before? Raise your hand in this room if you ever had somebody come up to you with the most sincere look on their face and go, it's not you, it's, it's me. They lied to you. Just going to release that shame off you right now. It was you. It was probably you. And uh, there's probably some things that you need to work on in that season. And it was God releasing you from that relationship at that moment in time. Because it's very probable that you were part of the problem, though. And so we're going to work on that problem. I want to, I, I once again, say this. It's not uh, um, just about marriage relationships. It's about all relationships. But it's, this whole series is designed, and the idea that the Holy Spirit gave to me with this, is for us to take a step back and stop trying to fix everyone else. And fix yourself. You need to fix yourself, okay? We, uh, we live in a culture. Uh, the church does this. We point at the culture and call out the cu- culture's problems, but we refuse to do this and actually fix the church's problems. Maybe that's the whole reason the Holy Spirit had me touch on that for a minute this morning. Because it's very easy, and Jesus talks about this, right? He says to take, stop trying to take, the, pluck the, the little wood piece out of your friend or your family, your brother's eye, and instead you got a big old plank in your own eye, you need to deal with that first. And so we've got to deal with things within ourselves before we can help and deal with things in other people. You can never really be a true effective minister of the love of Christ if you are not first reflecting the love of Christ, which means you have to let him perfect you and make all things come into alignment with the obedience of Christ. Every thought captive into the obedience of Christ, everything we do should begin to example Jesus, amen? Now, I want to read a couple scriptures real quickly. If you'll turn over to Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. Why are we going to Revelation when we're talking about relationships? This is relationship revelation. Okay, here we go. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 is where we're going to read this morning. I'm, I'm going to do a, Now, listen, I want you to go ahead and know this. I'm going to give a couple big base texts that we'll talk about today. But I'm going to reference a lot of scripture this morning, Okay. Uh, because I really feel like it's very important, especially when talking about this topic, that I do have scripture to show you based on what I'm speaking so that you're not just, you, you understand this isn't just Pastor Micah saying something. This is the scripture. 
gifts, the word of God. So Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The scripture is saying here that whenever you go to God in relationship, guess what? He wants to dine with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to commune with you. Now I want you to turn over now to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis, well you actually take that back. You don't have to turn there. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8. You don't turn there. It just speaks of how God shows us that in the garden, if you, you'll see this in that chapter and verse, it's after Adam and Eve have sinned, and it says they're walking in the garden, and they hear God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they have a response whenever they hear God in the garden. What's their response? They go and they hide. Now, what am I saying? What I want you to see in this and understand is from the beginning of time all the way now to Revelation, God is showing forth that he desires relationship with you. Because Adam, Adam knew the sound of God walking in the garden. Notice it didn't say Adam heard a rustling in the garden and it could have been an elephant. It says that they heard God coming to walk in the cool of the day. Which means this. It was normal for God to show up and walk in the garden with Adam. That means that from the beginning of time, God had a relationship with man. Right? How many of you, how many of you, um, how many of you have ever done something bad or wrong before whenever you were a child? Some of y'all said just when I was a child. Some of you did not raise your hand, and I'm genuinely concerned right now. Because either your parents didn't get on to you, and you were doing some bad stuff, or you just thought everything you did was okay. One or the other. Which creates <laughs> both. I, I don't know about you. Um, I did dumb stuff sometimes, right? And some of it wasn't all like really, really bad, bad, bad stuff. Some of it was just like I put my hand in the cookie jar when I shouldn't have, right? Um, I went to, and my, my, my sons do this. They will go into the pantry. Not making this up. Turn the light on, close the door, get their snack, unwrap the snack, turn the light off and sit in the darkness and eat it just so they don't, so that I don't know that they're there. Like I don't hear the little rat that's in the pantry. <laughs> I hear you eating another honey bun. Like, come on. I, I don't know, but you, like, my dad, I, I, I knew whenever my dad would show up, right? Anybody ever been doing something they shouldn't have done? You heard the garage door open? And all of a sudden, you start putting stuff back. I wasn't supposed to do this. I wasn't supposed to eat this. I got to clean this real quickly. I got to pour this. Yeah, I was supposed to be cleaning my room. I got to go clean my room super fast, throw everything under the bed as fast as you can, and hope that you don't get in trouble, right? Right? There, there was a, I knew the sound of my father. Because why? I'll go a little further. Uh, Pastor Chelsea and I, we worked at High Praise Panama City for like, I don't know, 15 years or something like that. Long time, 13, 12, 12 years, something like that, 13. Anyways, long time. Um, uh, we had offices upstairs in our building there. And we had a little game that sometimes we would play. Anybody got a really certain walk? You know what I mean? Like, some people are like, when they walk, some people are like, 
You know, everybody's got their own swag. You know, some people are like, mm-hmm, yep. But everybody's got a different walk. So we'd play this game, and based off of the footsteps, we would guess who's coming. My mom? You never knew if she was mad. It just sounded always like she was upset when she was coming to your office. Dad had a very, I, I, I even know my dad's cough. And I know it so well because I cough just like him. I would get mistaken all the time by the cough that we have because I have a very similar sounding cough. I say all that to say this. Based on things that they did, based on their walk, based on their sound, I knew that they were coming not because they were coming, but because of the relationship that was established with them before they came. Does that make sense? The only way to really hear God and know that he's coming, when I say coming, I mean he's speaking to you, he's talking to you, he's wanting a relationship with you, is by first having relationship with him. From that, then you will know when his spirit begins to speak to you. Then you will know whenever he, those dreams are pizza dreams or God dreams. You'll know these things. You'll be able to discern these things because you have relationship with him. Amen? And that's what I really want to focus on this morning is that in order to work on any other relationship, we have to work on this relationship. Amen? Before we can work here, between Pastor Chelsea and I and our marriage, we have to work here. And we got to make sure this relationship is right. Really, no other relationship will be as strong as this relationship. Meaning, if this isn't right, it's going to be difficult to make this right. We'll talk about that some of the weeks to come. But I want to give you three relationship revelations real quickly. Relationship revelations or, or, or keys to having a good relationship with your Father God. And is this, I've already mentioned it a little bit, but number one is God wants a relationship with you. God wants a relationship with you. I want you to understand this morning that God desires a relationship with you. He made you because he wanted a family. And listen to me, God is all about family. Family is important to God. Family is important to our church. That's why we just did a weekend called Building Families Weekend, and we're going to do this every year. That's why our vision statement is to equip believers, build families, and further the kingdom of God. God reveals himself as the God of uh, the Father and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, revealing himself as the God of generations. He reveals himself also as our Father. So I want you to understand this too, that the psalmist said it like this in uh, Psalm 86.6, that God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. Why would God set lonely in families if he didn't believe that family and relationship is important? Because it is important to him. But he also wants you, the lonely to be in families. And he's not just talking about any families. He's talking about the family of God. He's talking about families that will echo and show forth the love of God to those that are lonely. It was so important to God. I want you to look at this. And I'm not talking about single people, okay? Please understand me. You can be married and lonely. You can be married and lonely. You can be married and miserable. And not because your spouse, because you. You can be married and you can have kids and you can have family and relatives and still feel very lonely and empty. 
because this is not right. So God sets the lonely families, and he, in that scripture, it says he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. That means this. He equates those that are lonely to those that are imprisoned. Loneliness is a prison, and you have to break free of that. The only way you break free of that is stop putting yourself in lonely situations. My dad's always said it like this. The reason you feel like the only fellow in the ship is because you don't fellowship. If you feel lonely and you feel like the only fellow in the ship, you need to get on the church center app and join a community group. You need to fellowship. Guess what? You need to show up to church events. This is family. There are people in this room that are more family to me than some blood family. And I don't mean like a gang. I mean, I mean like, like my actual blood family. <laughs> like there are people in this room, there are people in Panama City that, that spoke, I've, I've preached on this some before, that spoke more into my life. Spoke purpose, destiny, calling of God over my life. More so than any blood, not any blood family, but more so than portions of my family that actually are related blood to me. Because God will set you in families to keep you from being imprisoned in loneliness. So the reason, maybe the reason you're here and God led you here is because you were feeling lonely. But the reason that God brought you here is because he wants you to set sets you free from loneliness and lets you understand that there are people in this room that love you and care about you, will fight for you, that will drop everything for you, that will help supply for you. You know, it's amazing whenever we get to be that for other people here. Pastor Chelsea and I love to get to be a, a generous supplier to those in need here in our church body because God has set you here because maybe there was a season of loneliness, but he set you here because he desires that you have family. Amen. Amen. So God wants a relationship with you. God made family, but the first family was between him and Adam and Eve. God the father and his two kids. God desired family and relationship, so he made it. Notice he didn't have relationship with the animals. He had relationship with the humans, with the people, with the creations that he made. So what happens is Adam and Eve sin, right? They fall short of the glory of God. And, 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 and they kind of break the relationship up. With God, some. But God looks down and goes, this relationship is so important to me. I've got to send my son Jesus so that I can restore. Once, Jesus said it like this. I've come to restore that which was once lost. That's what Jesus said. And he sent his son Jesus to restore what was lost. That, relate, that same relationship that, that Adam and Eve had with God the Father. That relationship was broken and lost by sin. And the depravity of man. So then he sends Jesus as the sacrifice and atonement for our sin. And then reconnecting us back to the Father God through salvation and a relationship with Jesus. We are once again restored with God our Father. Amen. So I want you to understand this today. That and I, we've already kind of prophesied on this today. But I want to say it again. I want to break off any mindset off of you today. That God doesn't want relationship with you because you're too far off and sinned too much. You understand me today? I say that very solemnly to, because I want you to understand how deep this is. I don't care who you are in here or what you've done. There is nothing that keeps him from wanting to pursue relationship with you. 
Look at, look at, look at uh, uh, Saul before he's turned to Paul and has the Damascus Road experience, right? Chief sinner, murderer, kills Christians like it's an action movie and it's his job to do that, right? He does these things. Horrible, terrible things. God meets him on the road. Look at, think about this. God meets him. God pursues Saul, chief sinner. Let that be a revelation for you today. That no matter how far off you are, God is still pursuing you. God is still pursuing you. And today, there's an invitation by the power of the Holy Spirit saying, sons and daughters, come home. There's a ring and robe waiting for you. There's a feast waiting for you. Come home because I love you with an everlasting love. But just because God loves you doesn't mean you love God. Just because God is pursuing you doesn't mean you're pursuing God. And we got to fix that. It's not God's fault that your relationship is broken with him. It's your fault. I could have heard a pin drop at that moment. It is, not, it is not God's fault that your relationship with him is broken. It's your fault. And no one likes being told that. <laughs> like, oh, pastor, thanks a lot. Yeah, you got to work on your relationship with the Lord. We'll talk about this in a second. And that's where we're going into. Jesus said it like this in John 14. Those who love me will keep my commandments or they will obey me is really what he's saying. They'll understand my heart and they'll keep in line with my heart is what he's saying. But let's move on to this point number two. It's Team Color Sunday, right? Don't be a, band, a bandwagon fan of God. If you want a subtitle for this message, it's fan or follower, by the way. I forgot to tell you. It's fan or follower. Fan or follower. Don't be a bandwagon fan of God. You know, look around once again. Many of us are in our NFL and other colors today. And um, I'm a Tampa fan, if you didn't notice. I'm a big Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. And um, I, I classify... I classify Tampa fans into two categories, okay? Y'all ready? These are Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans. You have BB and AB. Not like, you have before Brady and after Brady. If you're after Brady, you're not a real fan. You're fake. You're a bandwagon fan. Yeah, you jumped from New England, didn't you? Yeah. Go back. Listen, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm a BB. I'm before Brady. I, I go back to Warren Sapp and Brad Johnson winning the Super Bowl and, 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 and Keyshawn Johnson, and, and I, I wanted to be Mike Allstott. I, wa- I wanted to be Mike Allstott. Like, y'all, y'all remember Mike, anybody who watched old football, Mike Allstott was this big fullback. I mean, huge guy, monster of a man. All we were talking about Kevin Bryant the other day. He always had the big old neck pad on and the huge wide shoulder pads, and he would just run over anybody. I wanted to be Mike Allstott, right? He was no mercy. I remember whenever uh, 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 John Gruden beat the, the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, Oakland at the time, not Las Vegas. Oakland where they should be. Oakland Raiders with, he beat his old team. With Tony, Don, with Tony Dungy's team. Anybody remember that? Anybody go that far back watching NFL? He beat, he beat 
uh, uh, he won this, the Super Bowl with Tony Dungy's team. I remember that era. I remember, I'm also, for those of you who don't know, how many college football fans we have in here today? Anybody college football? I'm a Florida State Seminole fan. Go Knowles, right? Come on. Go Knowles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm an Knowles fan through and through. It's in my blood, right? I remember, we were actually just watching clips of this the other day, the 1999 National Championship, the Nokia Sugar Bowl. Anybody remember that? Yeah? Nokia Sugar Bowl, whenever Peter Warwick and uh, uh, Chris Winkie led the Florida State Seminoles to a big national championship win. Go Knowles. I remember whenever Jameis Winston. What'd you call? What play? I remember when Jameis Winston led the Florida State Seminoles back to a big win over the Auburn Tigers in 2013 and won the last BCS national championship. Yes, we did. Thank you very much. 2014, actually, I believe it was. It was 2013-14, something like that. But I remember those times because why? I follow my teams. And I remember this during those times. Does anybody else remember during those times, if you were around, maybe you're fans of other teams or the fan of the same team, around those seasons, all of a sudden, those teams' gear were seen everywhere in stores. All of a sudden, Around town, when you were going around, you'd see Seminoles fans everywhere, right? Jameis Winston wins, national championship, you're seeing Florida State stuff everywhere. All of a sudden, though, right, the next, the next year, everybody has on Crimson, right? Because Alabama's the team. And for years, Alabama's the team, right? Same thing goes with pro. People wearing Bucks gears for the years that they won. This year, everybody's got Patrick Mahomes jersey, including my son. I don't know what happened to him. Still praying, Lord, ring and robe. Yes, Lord. Calling the prodigals home, in Jesus' name. I remember those, though, and, 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 and it's because this. There's something in, in sports terms called a bandwagon fan, which means you jump on the fan group of whatever team is the best team at the time. You don't have a real following. You just go for whatever's making you feel good. And you're a bandwagon fan of a certain team because, oh, yeah, they're doing good right now, right? They don't really care about the team. They care about the wins. They don't care about the following in the dark seasons. Anybody else followed Florida State in, in the dark seasons when it was like DeAndre Francois? Yeah, ugly seasons. Let's not talk about those. Those, those days are behind us, pressing on towards the high calling that is the national championship. They, they didn't care about those seasons, that is not relationship. That's situational cheering. And many of us, that's our relationship with the Lord is we're situational cheers. Oh, yes. God blessed me. God blessed me. Oh, I'm going to go to church this week. I thank God. Woo. Da, 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 da. Woo. You know? And then the next, that, see, y'all didn't know. Y'all didn't know. And then fast forward a couple months. Something else doesn't go the best in our life. We come into church that week. I say thanks, but I don't say thanks. Right? Like, because it's all situational-based living. 
It's situational-based following, which we're really just a bandwagon fan of God, and we only love Him and like Him and worship Him whenever He can make us feel good and do something for us, but we don't actually worship and care about Him and actually live for Him in the seasons that are dark, in the seasons that are problems, in the seasons of dysfunction, in the seasons of issues. We just follow Him on the mountaintops, but when we're in the valleys, we stay hidden and we don't actually lift our hands because it just hurts too much. Praise him anyway. Jesus said it like this. In this life, you'll have trials, tribulations. Did he stop there? No. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He did not promise you exemption from trials and troubles. He promised you that at the end of, the, end of it all, in the end of the road, you have victory. That's the promise. And that's why we can still worship and why we can still praise and why we can still live for him and why we can still press forward and work on this is because I know that he is the author and the finisher of my faith. He's not just the author and then stopped finishing and stopped writing and stopped trying. He's still writing in the middle of it. And yeah, there's some things that the enemy's been trying to come against me in. And there's some temptations that have come my way but be of good cheer he has overcome and I know that if it's not good then God's not done with me and he's still writing to finish and make things good in Jesus name give him a shout but you don't see the good at the end unless you actually follow Stop being a bandwagon fan of God and praising Him only in the highs. You know what, Pastor Chelsea and I have been through some lows. You see us now and you look, oh man, they got everything. They got it all going good. They're blessed, highly favored of the Lord. I believe that too. It doesn't change the fact that some days I have tough days. And I got to choose. I'm going to praise Him anyways. I'm going to endure And in those moments, I'm going to ask for greater release in my life of his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because I need it in those days. Amen? Mm. I'm going to say this again. Your relationship issues with God aren't his fault. They're yours. Well, I just feel like he doesn't talk to me that much. Well, how much do you talk to him? Some of y'all crying about God like you're in a teenage relationship with him. Because that's how you treat it. Huh? Well, he just didn't look at me at school today, so. <sighs> what if? Ew. Like, like, right? Like, like, that's how we're treating our relationship with God. Well, how much have you talked to him? How much have you sat in your car and said, Lord, I just, I need you right now. I, I need something from you. I, I just need you to speak to me. I need, I need your joy. I need your peace. Well, I just really don't like what his word says about the way I'm living, Pastor. That's the problem. You don't like it. He doesn't change. And his word stays the same. The problem is you. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. That's what you need to be saying at some point in time. I'm the problem right now. I got to fix some things. I got to come into alignment with the word of God. He has the final say. Well, I just don't feel like he's giving me joy. Well, have you rejoiced lately? 
Have you joyed again in the Lord? Have you actually taken time in your car and just given praise for a few minutes and rejoiced? Well, I don't feel like following him because everything isn't going good. Well, Jesus already told us, be you good cheer, I've already overcome the world. Stop being a fan and instead follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. I'm going to get through these last few points real quickly, so y'all just stay with me, okay? We're going, we're going uh, Millennium Falcon light speed ahead, okay? Follow Jesus. You're not following Jesus out of not going to hell, but rather love. Following Jesus is not your get out of hell free card. It's an invitation by his spirit to a better life. Jesus did not say, I've come to give you life and life out of hell. He said, I've come to give you life and what? Life more abundantly. That means this, he cares about your life here on earth. He cares about your eternity, but he cares about your life on earth too. And so he's come to give you a life and life more abundantly. How do we receive that? By following him. We aren't scared of hell. That's not true following. We are so in love that that's where following begins. Hell does not scare me into a relationship with God. That's why when you're in this church, you're not going to hear me preach, get saved or you're going to hell. Amen? Yeah, I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher. I'm not going to do that. Because if your relationship is based off of fear, it's not relationship at all. True relationship is based on trusting. Trusting that he is good. Trusting that he has good things for me. Trusting that he loves me. Trusting that he cares for me. Not fear away from hell, but rather trusting in love and following him. Amen. That's why in Luke 10, 27 says this. Love the Lord your God. Luke 10, 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. He doesn't stop there. He says, and also, I'm going to talk about this in a second. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. The most important relationship you'll ever have is between you and God. Matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews equates the marriage relationship between a man and a woman to an earthly model of the relationship between Christ and the church. Who is the church? You are the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. I told you, I'm going to give you a bunch of references. You can just write these references down and come back. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. So, if the writer of Hebrews equates marriage relationship to the relationship between Christ and his church... And we are the church. Guess what that means? When we say yes to God, we say yes to a covenant with him. A true following and love covenant with him. That means when we get saved, we become his church. We say yes to Jesus. In the world we live in today, though, we don't understand covenant. And that's why we don't have good relationships with the Lord. It's because the culture and the church, and unfortunately, pastors have reflected wrongly what covenant is. And we are, you're, we live in a culture of, and there's no condemnation. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. There's no condemnation to these people. And I pray for them. I pray that they change. I pray that there's healing that comes. I pray that there's deliverance that takes place. But listen, we, are in a, we live in a culture where, where pastors continuously fall to, to affairs and constantly are falling to sexual issues And not understanding and actually living out the covenant that they have with their spouse. 
And so we, and then those same pastors are wondering, well, why doesn't my congregation have good relationship with the Lord? It's because according to the Hebrews and the writer of Hebrews, you are not showing forth what a good relationship and covenant should look like. And so what I say in that to say this is as the church and as and the culture we live in, we've got to come back to an understanding of what covenant truly is if we want to understand what relationship truly is. Amen? We're basically making a promise to him that till death forever we will serve him. And in, even into eternity, we will live for him, we'll love him, we'll honor him. This relationship, though, is the base of all the relationships you will ever have. This relationship between you and God. And if you really, truly love God, you won't waver between two opinions any longer. God be God, follow him. Three things real quickly to do to work on your relationship with God. Take time with God. Or you could put it in subtitle beside it, date God. Take time with God. Date God. Put time on your schedule to do a date with God. For many of you, maybe you put time on your schedule to have a date with your spouse, right? You have to because your time's busy. Date, your, date God. Put it on your calendar. I drop the kids off at 8.30, 8 o'clock, whatever time school starts. My kids are homeschooled, sorry. Whatever time school starts. Now for my time from dropping them off to work or wherever I'm going next, I'm going to pray. I'm just going to talk to God. I'm, it's just me and him. Kids are in bed at 8.30, 9 o'clock, whatever. Some of you are going, I wish. But your kids get in bed. I'm going to go to my room for five minutes. I'm going to pray. Take time to talk with him. How many of you are, are in a romantic relationship in this room? Some sort of romantic relationship. Married, dated, it's complicated. You fall in one of those categories, right? Right. Um, it would be wild if your communication with your spouse was this. Hey, honey, I love you. Bye-bye. Once a day. Because many of us, that's our conversation with God once a day. Lord, I thank you for this food. Bless it to our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. That's your prayer life. Really strong. And you pray the same thing every single day, and it's over one thing. How many of you with your spouse, I would hope this is true, have conversations with your spouse that are multifaceted and talk about many different areas of your life with your spouse or your significant other, or maybe some of you have friends that you have that relationship with and you get to talk that way. I believe many of us in here, that's us, Pastor Chelsea and I, we talk a lot because we do everything together. We work together. We eat together. We sleep together. Bless God. We, uh, you know, we do everything together. And um, we have a lot of conversations that are multifaceted, that we talk about a lot of different areas and things in our life. Our conversations are not, hey, babe, I love you, bye, once a day, and then never talk anymore. If you want relationship with God, you have to talk with God. Amen? Number two is this. Speak well of God. Or we could say like this, praise God. Speak well of God. Stop complaining about what God hasn't done, and rather give him thanks for what he has done. And we're going to talk about this in two weeks with your relationships, too. And you're going to love me. But the same things that you, should, you would desire for your spouse to do towards you or maybe a significant other or maybe, once again, a working relationship, the same praise that you would want your spouse or whomever that person is to give to you and, rather, and not complain about you constantly 
And the same thing that you should do towards them, you also should do towards God. You should praise him for his greatness and his power. Stop complaining about everything, amen? Number three is this, fix your eyes on God. Fix your eyes on God, which means this, I'm locked on God. So you need to date God, praise God, and get locked on God. Bible says in Romans 12 to not be not conformed to, but, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To be transformed. How do we do that? By the renewing of your mind, which means we have to lock on God. Proverbs 6.32 says this, he who commits adultery lacks sense, he who does it destroys himself. Now, I know you go, well, you're, we're talking about relationship with God. Absolutely, and I am too. It's possible as a Christian to commit adultery with our, in our relationship with the Lord. We don't want to talk about that in this church. Contrast that with this, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. So we can say it like this, spiritual adultery is sin and the wages is self-destruction. Cheating on God leads down a road of self-destruction. You need to fix your eyes on him, the author and the finisher of your faith, and continue to follow him and continue to pursue him as he pursues you in that relationship. And then that is where life and life more abundantly happens. When you take your eyes off of God and put it onto the things of this world and look only to the things of this world to supply what you need, listen to me, that is a road to self-destruction. We're going to lock on God. Amen? Look at somebody say, I'm going to lock on God. I'm going to lock on God. Your choice to sin instead of live for him will literally bring self-destruction into your life. Because every action has a consequence. God isn't destroying your life. The devil ain't destroying your life. You are. The way you live, whether according to his word or living outside of it, will have consequence and reactions. Say it, put it to you in layman's terms here for personal reasons and to help you understand this a little better. My wife and I, we've been married this year for 11 years, and um, if I decide to not stay committed to my wife and sleep with another woman, which will never happen, never, but if I decide to do that, guess what? It's not her who destroys our relationship. Even if she is nasty to me, mean to me, which she isn't, but even when she's mean, it is still at the end of the day whose decision to go and sleep with somebody else. It would be me, be the individual. It's also not the problem of the person that I had eyes on and ended up sleeping with. I want to assure everyone in this room, this is an example, will never happen, okay? I want you to understand this today, though. It is not her fault. It's not the other person involved's fault. It is my problem. It's me, hi. I'm the problem, it's me. It's my issue, my problem. Because the person didn't throw me in bed and make me. The devil didn't come and rip my drawers off and everything, okay? Like that didn't happen, but often we like to blame everyone else around us rather than take responsibility for our actions. And listen to me, I want you to hear this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation is overtaking you that's not common to man. God is faithful. Somebody say, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Meaning this, even in times and season where temptation is wild and strong, the Bible says that God always provides a way of escape. Which means you always have a way out, which means at the end of the day, if you decide to sin and do what is wrong, guess what? 
You did it. Not the devil. Devil may have provided temptation, but he did not make you and push you into the place to go sin. Something did not overtake you. You made choices that were wrong. Amen? Same, same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. And guess what Jesus did whenever temptation came? He spoke the word. That's what Jesus did. When temptation comes, speak the word. Declare the word. Guess what? You won't know the word unless you get locked on God. Relationship with him. You've got to have that. Amen. It's, it is power to defeat the enemy in your life and defeat temptations. I'm coming to a close. Y'all stay with me just for two more minutes maybe. Or 30, but it's okay. Y'all are like, i got to get a Super Bowl party. I'm coming to a close for real. What does it mean to follow Jesus? I'm closing with these couple scriptures real quickly. I want to go to the first time that Jesus t- says follow me in the Bible. Matthew 4, Matthew 4, 18 through 20. This is the first time that Jesus says follow me to the disciples. Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother. They were casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. So Jesus says here, he finds them where they are, pursues relationship with them, and says, follow me. Oh, there's something I just, I haven't written this down, but I just saw this. And says, follow me. He tells them, I want relationship together. And through this, I'll teach you how to minister to people, how to love people, how to heal the sick, how to live life abundantly. Now, one of the last times Jesus says, follow me, I want to look at. Matthew 16, verse 24. So the first time he says, he says, hey, disciples, your fishers, these two disciples, drop your nets, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. I'll teach you how to live. I'll teach you how to do this kingdom life. One of the last times, he, he's still speaking of kingdom life, but you may not like this one as much. This is one of the last times he says, follow me. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Matthew 16, 24, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and do what? Follow me. Two very different times he's saying, follow me. One time he's saying, look, I'm going to show you how to live life and life more abundantly. But then the other time, when he's coming to the end of his days, he says, listen, if you really want to follow me, though, he's still speaking of the life more abundantly. I want you to hear this. He's still speaking of this. But I want you to drop your nets and instead pick up your cross. Because guess what? comes back to this in this life you will have trials and tribulations but be of good cheer i have overcome the, the world there is a following that he's asking of you saying come into relationship with me but at the end it's going to be worth every single step that you take with me i'll say it like this he's saying follow me in the good and the second time he's saying, follow me even and sometimes in the rough seasons. I believe moreover what Jesus is even saying is this. To follow him means to example his life. That's what following Jesus means. It means not just to walk after him, but rather to example him. But you can't example what you don't know. Anyone ever played the game follow the leader? 
Yeah, anybody in this room? Following the leader, and we do whatever the, the leader's doing, right? That's what Jesus is calling us to in relationship with him. It is not merely, once again, a get out of hell free card, but rather it is a bidding. He does this with his disciples. He's saying, example, I want to teach you to example laying hands on the sick, raising the dead. I want to teach you to example how to love people properly because he gives this command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is beginning to fulfill that when he first says, follow me. And now he's saying, I want you to continue to follow me. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Miss Donna, will you come play? One of the things that Jesus is asking here is this. Will you follow me and love people? Will you follow me and love people? But there's a caveat whenever he says, pick up your cross and follow me. Because those same people that Jesus loved did what? They spit on him as he's on his road to Damascus. I mean, as, I'm assuming as he's on his, on his road uh, uh, to Golgotha. Whenever he's going to the place where he's going to be hung, when he goes to the place where he's going to be put on the cross, those same people that were praising him as he came into the street were the same people that spit on him. The same people that loved him and showed forth love as he loved them. Even whenever they turned around and spit on, spit on him, Jesus still loved them. Listen to me. One of the best ways to love God is to love people he made properly. That's one of the best ways to love God, is to honor what he created, to love what he created. Yeah, I know people are different than you. Love them. But you will never know how to love if you don't have this first. Which means you can't even really, you can't love people. That's why it's in this order. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor yourself. Because he's saying, you can't love here until you first love here. The Bible says that God is love. You can't have love unless you have God. So today, I want you to know this, that God is desiring relationship with you. And as followers of Jesus, there's great eternity with him. There's everlasting life. John 3, 16, right? But while we're here on earth, don't just take up space. Have relationship with him that is healthy, that breeds and goes into the earth and love other people properly. Invite them to the same relationship that you've found. Listen, we follow God because he, says, the Bible says like this, we love because he first loved us in that order today so I want you to know once again the reason you can love him purely is because he loves you first purely where you are he loves you will you stand to your feet today will you stand to your feet today will you lift your hands to the Lord I want to pray this morning Lord we just thank you right now we thank you for how good you are. We thank you, you love us because you wanted relationship. You created us because you wanted relationship, Father. So I thank you that you are pursuing us today. I thank you, Father, that we don't just let you pursue us, though, that we look unto you as well and we pursue you. We want relationship with you, not situational based cheering, not situational based relationships, but we want true relationship, Father. 
We want a closeness with you. We want you to speak to us in our cars, in our homes, in our families, in our workplace, at church, everywhere we go, God. We want to feel your spirit with us wherever we are because we have relationship with you. So God, we just thank you right now that the lost are coming home. Even as this message has come forth today, those that don't know you, I thank you, Father, you are waiting at the end of the road. You're accepting us. And Lord, as you accept us, we are changing into whom you have called us to be. We're reflecting Christ properly into all the earth. For even your word says, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So Lord, we just thank you that first we work on our relationship with you. And we say, Lord, we want a closeness with you. We want to know what your love is so that we can love others properly. We thank you that today, God, you've helped us. You've even convicted us in this message some. But, Lord, I thank you. It's for our making and not for our breaking. So, God, we thank you for everything you've done, everything you're doing, and everything you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. If you love God, will you give one more hand clap of praise in this place? Amen. Amen.